0: Are humans born good? That's my opening question for you today. Are humans born good? Try and ignore the dragon for a moment, I'll explain that in a minute. <laughs> it's an interesting question, isn't it? It's a worldview question, it's a deep question. You know, everything that you believe about the world basically starts with this question. Were you born good or were you born bad? Were you born okay and good and great? And something in this world has stuffed you up? Somebody's oppressed you? Somebody's done something against you that has maybe changed you a little bit or made life difficult for you? Or were you born bad? Were you born with something wrong with you? Were you born defected? That question will influence how you see the world How you understand life, how you understand meaning, how you understand God, how you understand governments, how you understand friends, how you understand family. The Christian worldview tells us that we're born bad. But the worldview that we find in our culture out there generally tells us that we're born good. It's the Darwinian understanding of humanity Darwin being the idea, or Darwinism being the idea of evolution and the survival of the fittest. If we're born good, as most of our secular culture tells us that we are, then what is idolized is not God, but self. You become the idol to be worshipped. You become the center of the universe. You become the person that's entitled, that has rights, If you're born good, then the self is God, and everything in this world, your friends, your family, the government, should all revolve around trying to make you happy, because you're good, and the only reason you may make a mistake is because someone hasn't helped you. The only reason that you may be in error is because somebody didn't inform you. The only reason that life is difficult or that you endure any unhappiness is because somebody is not treating you fairly. The Christian worldview is the total opposite, the biblical worldview. So what the Bible tells us is that the self is born in sin. King David says, from the womb, and doesn't he, in Psalm 51, from the womb, I was rotten. From the womb, I was born in sin. The Christian worldview understands that every person, even the beautiful little baby that just comes out of the mother's womb, is infected by the human condition. And the human condition is one that is selfish, is one that tends to self-protect, tends to do wrong by others. Without the law, without social taboos, we would tend to kill, steal, destroy, murder. We tend to be greedy. We tend to take power and dominate. This is the human condition. It's a real, real problem. So the Christian worldview says that you need help. You need something outside of yourself because you'll never be able to save yourself you never be kind enough, you'll never be good enough, you never be able to pull yourself up by your bootlaces and be that great dad that you want to be. you never be able to get all your will together and all your discipline together and wrap it all up together and just be that great person that you wish you could be. The biblical worldview says all of that is futile. You need a savior, you need redemption, you need help, you need Jesus Christ, you need Easter next weekend, that's the whole point. This here is a clip um, from the fifth book of the Narnia series. So you probably heard of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That's the second book in a series of seven written by C.S. Lewis. And uh, I watched this movie over the weekend with the kids as uh, research for this sermon this morning. And uh, what happens is that there's a young boy introduced uh, in the silver chair. So that's the fourth, the fourth book. And then he's still there. His name's Eustace in book number five, and Eustace gets dragged into Narnia with Edmund and Lucy, Peter and Sarah are too old now to go into Narnia, they're two adults, you've got to be a child, and uh, Edmund uh, and, and Lucy, along with their cousin Eustace, get dragged into Narnia, and in this voyage of the Dawn Treader, so the Dawn is the boat, and they go on this voyage, uh, looking for seven lost lords with Prince Caspian. Anyway, the story is essentially about this young boy Luce, L- uh, Eustace, who's a brat, He's a complete brat. C.S. Lewis introduces him like this. In the first line of The Dawn of the Lord, The the, the Dawn, The Dawn, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, he introduces him like this. This That's a problem when you try to speak while you're reading. (laughs) There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. What a brilliant writer he is. He almost deserved to be scrubbed. He's this bratty, you think of the most bratty, 15-year-old, obstinate, difficult, knows everything, has no friends. That bratty little 15-year-old kid. Anyway, they take him on this voyage and he ends up coming across this treasure. Now, everyone knows that treasure is enchanted in Narnia and there's always a dragon presiding over treasure, isn't there? Everyone knows that, right? okay, I know know it's difficult because you're all adults, but try and use your imagination for a moment, go back into your childhood when you used to be able to read novels and imagine things and didn't think that everything that was magical was demonic, it's just a story, okay. He turns into a dragon when he finds this treasure and this young boy at 15 years old becomes a dragon but it transforms him and C.S. Lewis brilliantly tells this story which essentially is the transformation of Eustace Scrub. Uh, from this dirty, bratty, obstinate little kid into something different, and we'll come back to that a little bit later. I found this year, as I've entered into 2022 and focused a lot, as we all have, on prayer, and as Pastor Phil was saying, getting our life back uh, in God, our with God life sorted out again after COVID, I found that as I was digging back into prayer this year, that my awareness of sin, my awareness of selfishness, was probably more pronounced than I'd ever noticed. I can tell you that I've never murdered anyone. And if you're a good friend of mine, you probably believe that that's true. I haven't committed adultery. Well, not yet. And God help me keep me on the straight and narrow because it's not difficult to fall into sin. I haven't really stolen anything big before. I mean, I stole a five bucks out of Mum's purse, I think, when I was 11. And, you know, I haven't neglected my kids. I try really hard to raise them and, and do the right... The right thing by them. I mean, I'm a good person. I'm a good person generally. But you know what? Sometimes when I discipline my kids, my four children, I don't do it out of a 100% pure motive in order to train them through discipline. Sometimes I'm just frustrated and I'm angry and there's a part of my motive to discipline that's just not right. It's sin. It's sin in me. You know, the other day I was sitting in a meeting and I interjected a little bit in the meeting because, you know, I'm, most meetings I sit in, I'm the pastor or I'm the chairman or I have a lot of influence. And I interjected in this little conversation that was going on in the meeting because I knew a little bit about what, I was, what was being discussed. And I had a little bit of information and I wanted to share that information because I wanted to ultimately show that I knew more about the topic than maybe other people sitting in the room. That's selfishness, that's sin. I was at Bunnings the other day, about a month ago, and I returned some things to Bunnings. If you're all the dads out there, ooh, Bunnings sausages, returning, chopping, going back, forth, every Sunday, Daddy's favorite, every Saturday, Daddy's favorite shop, okay? So you know, understand the situation. Now, I was very casual and didn't really think through it. I had this bag of um, um, uh, grouting that I was using on my alfresco to put my tiles together, and, and I didn't need it. And I'd been sitting there for about a month. Eventually I got back to Bunnings, I took it in, I got my refund, I'm sitting in the car driving home, and I realised, the girl had said to me, has any of these been tampered with or used? And I just said, "No, nah, they're all fine, you know, here's a bag of them, give me my refund. I realised that I'd actually cut the top off one of these bottles of grout, so I had tampered with it, and they wouldn't be able to resell that. Have you ever been in this situation? So I'm driving home, I'm like, I don't want to turn around. I'm like, I should do it. I'm a good Christian boy. But I'm like, who cares? Like, God doesn't really care. And this is stupid. And I made a mistake. But because I've been going to a new depth in prayer, especially in this area of introspection and really reflecting on my thoughts and my motives and my conduct, I was like, you know what? It doesn't really matter if someone else would turn around, it doesn't really matter if I'm a good Christian boy, it doesn't really matter that I do all these lovely things to help the community and in my list of good and bad, like surely my good is above my bad, one little thing isn't gonna hurt, it doesn't really matter. Why? Because God convicted me as I'm driving in the car, it's not my mind, it's the Holy Spirit saying, be righteous, be like Christ, don't be like Caleb Nichols the, the sinner. So I turned around, wasted another 20 minutes, went back there and just said to the girl, look, I just remembered I didn't actually, I didn't actually tell you the full truth. I did tamper with one of them. It, yeah, it, 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 you gave me a refund, which probably wasn't right. That's sin. See, we sit there and we think, well, I'm not the murderer. I'm not the horrible person. I'm not the secularist out there, you know, trying to push atheism on everyone. I'm a good person. I'm a good Christian, I'm a good person, I'm a good person, I'm a good person, Darwinism. Darwin's idea of evolution is you're born good, and then it's culture that messes you up, it's families that mess you up, it's other people that mess you up. The Christian worldview is different. You're not a good person. I'm not okay. I need help. I need to go To the insides of my heart and let God have a little look in there and help me out if I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because following Jesus requires not dealing with sin once at Easter when he died on the cross. Yes, I believe that. No, following Jesus requires picking up my cross every day and saying, I'm sorry, Lord God, I've fallen short of your glory again. Help me today to grow. Help me today, not to be better be kinder. Again, that's a worldly idea. We're all born good, so just try a bit harder to be kind. That's not the Christian worldview. The Christian worldview is, I can't be kind, but Christ in me can be joyous, can be full of love, can be kind, can even love an enemy. I can't do that but Jesus in me, so I want to go into the place of prayer in order to become more like Christ. If you remember one thing today, I want you to remember this. In the place of prayer, sin is there. In the place of prayer, sin is there. If you want to become like Jesus, your prayer times are going to bump into sin. You either push them aside and pretend they're not there and focus all on the grace. Yeah, come on, Martin Luther, just tell me. I'm saved by grace. I'm saved by grace. Preach it, Martin. Preach it to me. I'm saved by grace. I'm saved by grace. You can either do that or you can get honest. You can let God... You know, God is trying to bring you to a place of self-awareness. The fastest route to spiritual maturity is sin awareness or self-awareness. If you want to grow in Christ, you've got to be prepared. You've got to be courageous. You've got to be humble enough to let your prayer life bump into your sin to allow God to lead you on a journey of introspection, to look at your heart in order that He might grow you into the son and the daughter of God that He wants you to be. Richard Foster says that all real formation, so discipleship, all real formation is heart work. The human heart is the wellspring of all action. It is the center of all volition and the deep realities of the Spirit. He goes on to quote a a 17th century English Puritan that says, The greatest difficulty in conversion is to win the heart to God. And the greatest difficulty after conversion, so once someone has become a Christian, is to keep the heart with God. You know, sometimes I wonder, God is probably less interested in you claiming to be a Christian or even in you becoming a Christian than He is interested in you remaining a Christian that grows, that prays, that matures. God is maybe less interested in you saying the sinner's prayer even than you continuing to say the sinner's prayer every single day because you want to live life with God, not just have God on that day that you became a Christian. We're in the season of Lent right now. And so on our little Sabbath day with our kids that we've been doing on Saturdays, we because we're doing Sabbath, we have so much time now on Saturdays. So we spent a couple of hours explaining to the kids the story of the liturgical Christian calendar. And if that's a new word for you, I'm sorry, I'm gonna rush through this, but basically the Christian calendar in traditional churches, not so much in the Pentecostal world, in the traditional churches, follows this calendar for the year. You can see on the inside there, you've got January, February, March, April, May. But the Christian calendar starts where? With, any of you guys out there? It starts with Advent. So we start the Christian year at Advent, and then Christmas. The birth of Christ. And then we go on to Epiphany. We come into Lent, which is the season leading to Easter. And last Sunday was the last of five Sundays of Lent. Then we have Palm Sunday. And then we have Easter. The season of Lent for 2,000 years in the church has been considered a season of preparing one's heart for Easter. The season of Lent is particularly focused on preparing one's heart through the repentance of sins. Now, if sin is a funny word for you, just replace it with selfishness, because that's what sin is. And this is an amazing season that often we miss in our worship tradition, because we don't particularly follow this Christian calendar, but it's meant to prepare us for Easter, not just, whoa, Easter's here, thank you Jesus for dying on the cross, but to have 40 days leading into Easter of, I need to prepare my heart, I need to look at my life. I need to repent. It's actually a season that's, that's equated with Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness where he fasted and prayed. It's meant to be a time of self-denial, a time of fasting, a time of preparation. And this is something that I want to get a lot better with, with my children because the Christian calendar helps you follow the story of Jesus and helps you prepare your heart every year as you lead into Christmas. Often we understand sin... It's coming from Genesis chapter 3, isn't that right? Adam and Eve were awesome in the garden with God and eating fruit and everything, just can't touch that one tree in the middle. Genesis 3, they get to the tree, they're like, oh my goodness, it looks so nice, I'm going to eat it. The serpent helps deceive them. And that's what we call sin. Did you know Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 don't mention the word sin? Read your Bible. It doesn't say that they sinned we read back that back into the meaning and go, that was sin. It's really an Augustinian idea which comes from the fifth century when Augustine came up with this idea of original sin. So there was this original sin, this first sin that happened in Adam and Eve, and now we're all born into sin. It's Adam and Eve's fault. Now the problem with that idea, there is a truth to that, and St. Paul quotes in 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about sin at the beginning and we're all fallen, okay, so I'm not saying that that's not true, <sighs> it's okay, all your theology isn't out of alignment, just relax, okay, Genesis 3, something did happen, all right, it's okay, and I'm not trying to play with you, I mean, I'm just trying to help you understand what's going on. So the idea of a raw original sin comes to us in the 5th century, it didn't come from Jesus, it came in the 5th century because we read back in the fall, original sin. But I want to tell you this morning, because this is the danger. We can get lost thinking Adam and Eve made a mistake, now we're all infected by sin. It's not true. You all have done an original sin. If you were Adam and Eve, you would have sinned. If you were Caleb Nichols, you would be a sinner. If you were anyone in this building, you would have committed your first sin at some point. God knew when He created Adam and Eve that they would not remain sinless. Christ was already planned from the foundations of the earth to come and pay the price of redemption, which is what Easter is all about. It was already set in motion. Adam and Eve were always going to sin. So don't think, man, Adam and Eve, I'm infected by sin. It's so difficult, this world. You would have committed the same sin. We're all fallen. We're all in need of God. Why? Because God knew that man would be selfish. He knew that in creating the free will and allowing men to do as they saw fit, eventually they would choose self above God. That's why sin, essentially, is the same as selfishness. Adam and Eve chose the fruit, which really, they just chose themselves above the command of God, don't eat from the tree. But at the same time that they chose self above God, Eve chose her above Adam. the same time as Eve chose herself above God, herself above Adam, she chose herself above what's best for herself. What would have been better for Eve and for her life and for her future and for her destiny and for her children and for her workplace and for her family and for her local church would have been to follow God. She would have been better but she chose even against what's best for herself. She chose what's expedient rather than what lasts forever. She chose what was in front of her and what's visible, rather than what's invisible and eternal and in God. And she also chose, says four breakstands of relationship, remember, she also chose herself before creation, before the animals, before the trees, before the earth. You see, when sin entered the world, it broke the relationship between God and the human race, between the human race and and each other, It broke the relationship between a human and themselves, their own heart. Now we're all infected with sin. And it also broke the relationship between man and the earth. That's why we struggle not to take from the earth and not to take too much and not to destroy the planet and not to destroy beautiful things that God has given us because sin infects not only humanity, but it affects all of creation. Sin is Selfish. You are selfish. The first time that I really noticed I was selfish, there was something wrong with me, when I was about 10 years old, I remember this, I was thinking through it during the week. What's the first time I really remember there was something wrong with me? I was angry, I was a really good kid, easy to raise. Man, I wish I had me as a son, because I was pretty straightforward, okay? I was the typical Christian kid, didn't do too much wrong, didn't say too much. Andrew was there, he can, Andrew and Sue were there, they could tell you I was okay, wasn't I? Okay, okay, good, good, good. Uh, They've known me since I was about four. So I picked up mum's antique hairbrush. It was 50 years old, this hairbrush. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was 10. It was in front of me. Probably my parents had done something that annoyed me. You know those moments when you're like, I hate you, mum and dad. I got one of those last night from Jed. He's only four. I hate you, dad. It's because he tried to hit me and I moved and he punched the wall. So... He was pretty frustrated, he's like, I hate you, and went to his room and cried, felt horrible. See, I struggle, I struggle. I picked up this brush, and I just smashed it on the kitchen bench, and it snapped in half, and I bawled my eyes out, because I was so guilty of what I had done. The first time I realized I was a real sinner as an adult was when I was 18, I was doing a discipleship course that uh, we used to have in this church, it's been on hold, Uh, this year, Accelerate Discipleship, and... uh, It was an amazing year, and God went so deep in my heart, and I really realized that year that, man, I'm not okay. I really need Jesus. See, I'd given my heart to Jesus when I was four and all of those things like you do when you grow up in church, but I hadn't really given my heart to Jesus. I'd given my four-year-old heart to Jesus, but I hadn't given my adult life to Jesus. And I realized that there was something wrong with me in that discipleship year because I came to the self-awareness, the sin awareness, that I thought I was literally better than everyone else. Now don't laugh, because that literally was what was in my heart. It was a moment of incredible self-awareness by the grace of God that he revealed to me, Caleb, you need help also, because I literally thought and lived from a mindset of I am just a little bit better than everyone else just a little bit smarter, I'm just a little bit more spiritual, I'm just a little bit more holy and I thank God with all my heart that He helped open my eyes and we've been on that journey for a long time now. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 9, Jesus tells us this great story about prayer. Let's get back to prayer. Verse 9, to some of those who are confident in their own righteousness... Anyone seen Pastor Caleb in this scripture? There I am. Never read those scriptures like that until I had that awareness. Gosh, this is me. Looked and look down at everyone else, Jesus told this parable. This is about prayer. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. You want that in modern terms? The other a child molester, a pedophile, a murderer. That's the, that, that was the level of a tax collector in those days, the worst of the worst. A Jewish tax collector who robbed his own people in order to be in with the Roman Empire. Bad people, scum of the earth, no one liked them. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you, I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all of I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast. (sighs) And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves would be humbled Will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted in the place of prayer sin is there every time you go into prayer there's an opportunity to humble yourself realize you're inf- you're fallible you tend to make mistakes your motives aren't right there's sin and selfishness in you that you can't even see in the place of prayer sin is there if you allow god to show you sin is the great hurdle But God wants to give you insight to these hurdles so that you can jump them in your path to spiritual maturity. Now, let me ask you for a second who who do you identify with in this story? I'm not going to make you shout it out because uh, I know you'd all be too nervous. Who do you identify with the story? Do you identify as the Pharisee? Do you identify as the tax collector? Or maybe Jesus didn't mention this guy, but maybe you identify as the pagan, the secularist, the Roman. They don't even get a mention in here. Jesus just brings it down to two Jewish guys. Now, put your tomatoes away. Put your rocks down for a second. Just take this with a grain of salt. I think most of us are the Pharisee. Because we're so saturated in Aussie culture, most of us probably want to jump to, well, I'm the sinner. I'm the oppressed one. I'm the downtrodden one. I'm the guy with the beanie and the tattoo sleeve who, you know, never gets a go in life. I'm this. Of course I'm the sinner. I'm the humble, mellow, Christian, just trying my best, you know, it's hard. Even to go to church is hard because it's full of Pharisees. There's people out there who think they're awesome Christians and I know I'm not awesome. I think most of us are the Pharisee. And maybe you're sitting here, maybe you're watching, maybe you're more the pagan, maybe you're not even sure about this Christian stuff. And that's a whole nother realm. That's a whole nother question. Why are most of us maybe like the Pharisee? Now you go home, and pray about it yourself or I'll leave that to you. But maybe why some of us like the Pharisee? Because the Pharisees were the most passionate, most devout God-fearers in the New Testament. We often pitch them as the, oh, they're the people, you know, who'd wear a suit when you could just wear jeans. They're the people who are all, you know, hoity-toity and pious when you can can just be a cool Christian and be relatable and be authentic. So we don't like to think of ourselves as the Pharisee. But here's a reality check for you. These were the most committed God-fearing people in the New Testament. They had committed their life to knowing God, loving God, praying, fasting, giving their tithes and being the most honourable righteous Christian you could possibly be. Does that change who you might be in the story a bit? Because I know some of you here are definitely in that category. I mean, in the best possible sense. You're trying your heart out to follow God. I am. I'm definitely more susceptible to the Pharisee than to being the tax collector in this story. But the point of Jesus is that that's all great. But real prayer, real prayer, really finding the depths of God in your prayer life is not really found in the fact that you tithe. Don't get caught up on, I tithe, therefore I'm spiritual. It's important. I believe it's a great act of Christian maturity to be in a life group, to tithe to your church, to come on a Sunday to worship with the family of God. I believe they are very important signs of maturity in your walk with God. But maybe a greater sign of maturity is your ability to genuinely get on your knees, beat your chest, and authentically cry out to God, I'm a sinner. Please help me, Lord God. If you don't see yourself as a sinner, you won't go to the place of prayer. Why would you pray if you don't need help? Why would you call on God if you're okay? This is hard for us as modern Aussie people because the world tells you you're okay, you're born good, you're a good person. Prayer requires an introspection to look into your heart and realize that I need a saviour. Guess what? I've got great news for you. For 2,000 years, we have had many, many prayer gurus, contemplative prayer masters, a whole church history full of people who knew how to get to the depths of God. And one of the most incredible ways of praying that has come out of this 2,000 years of prayer tradition is called the prayer of examine. And I want to put this to you today and we're going to finish on this and then I want to take a moment to do this and my encouragement is also to do this during the week. It's called the prayer of examine and Christians have been doing this for 2,000 years. It opens our inner life, our soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, all the stuff that goes on in here that no one else can see. It's where your anxiety is as well. It's where your mental health is as well. It's in your soul. The prayer of examine goes to your soul because what gives you anxiety? What gives you selfish motives? What makes you greedy? What makes you wanna buy a whole bunch of stuff in order to feel good? It's your soul. It wants something. It needs to be fed. The prayer of examine takes your soul, but it takes it to God, not to online shopping, not to Netflix, not to your friend that loves to have a good gossip. It takes your soul to God, and it allows God to examine it. Yes, the word examine, it's not a funny uh, word, although it's not a very common word, it means examine. It means examination. It means introspection. It means to have a deep look. If you think of it in the academic test, it's your teacher at school or your lecturer at university looking at your, your, your assignment, examining it, going into an at- a test, an examination. The prayer of examine opens our inner life to divine examination and therefore transformation away from selfishness. It takes us to the heart deep into the heart. It takes us to the place like David cries out in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See, this is praying to God, see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. God wants to lead you to maturity. He wants to help you follow Jesus. But sin is the hurdle. But in the place of prayer, sin is there. Don't ignore it, embrace it. The prayer of examine embraces the fact that sin is there. Let's go back to Eustace for a moment. The selfish, braddish kid who probably we could all identify with. There's something wrong with us. we're fallen, we're a pain in the backside to people, even though I don't know you don't think you are. You are a pain in the backside to someone out there. For me, it's to my wife. No, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Eustace turns into a dragon... Can we have the next slide? And what happens in this scene, it's a great scene, better in the book than the movie, is he meets Aslan as a dragon. Who's Aslan in the Narnia series? Jesus, okay, God. And he meets Aslan. You know what Eustace the dragon is trying to do? He's trying to claw the scales and his skin away. He's, He's dragon dragonish life. He's trying to claw it off himself, but he can't. He doesn't want to be a dragon. He wants to return to being a boy. And the movie shows us this transformation from this bratty kid to this kind dragon that's helpful, that's humble. It'd be pretty humbling turning into a dragon for a few weeks, wouldn't it? But he can't transform himself. And even though he tries to scratch, he's bleeding as he tries to scratch away his scales, his sin, his dragonness. And Aslan comes along and roars into him. This is the prayer of examine that Jesus is right there with you. You're trying to claw away all the bad stuff. You're trying to ignore the poison of sin that's in you. But Jesus is there in the place of prayer. And he roars into Eustace. And Eustace transforms back into a boy. And he takes him get this for symbology he takes him into a pool and he bathes him. And the, all the scales finally wash away and he returns. To being a boy but a very different boy he's now transformed he's now different he's now humble he's now kind he's been changed the prayer of examine ends all of our rationalizations Just three quick points for you as I finish off and then we're going to sing the prayer of examine ends all of our rationalization one of the greatest sins that we come up against is the sin of justification Yesterday in our little uh, devotion time with the kids, because we're talking about Lent and sin, we we journaled a little bit, and then we sat around as a family. We just shared one thing where we're selfish, where we're sinful. It was a really interesting exercise. Mummy and Daddy did it too. We all do it together. But it's funny, as we each shared, you can see the problem straight away. We lie, but we rationalize. We have a bad motive, but we push it to the side and say, well, that's just my personality. We should go to church on Sunday and be there and worship with our family, but yeah, I'm, I've, I've had a hard week. I've done a lot. I've done some spiritual stuff this week. I think this Sunday, I went last week anyway, so it's okay. We rationalize God away, church away. We rationalize away our little lies. We say it's our personality. We say it's someone else's fault. Have you ever noticed that humans are so full of excuses? Listen to yourself for five seconds. Most of what you're thinking and saying is an excuse, honestly. The prayer of examine takes you into the place of prayer and embraces the fact that, man, I justified there, I lied a bit there, I put myself first there. It takes you into this place and God looks into your heart, but it's okay because he loves you and he's compassionate. He's more interested in your character and your growth than he, than he is interested in saying, ha ha, now I've got you in the corner with this prayer of examine from Pastor Caleb. I'm going to nail you to the wall. You are a sinner. He knew you would commit an original sin in your own life for your own self right from the beginning. The second one. The second point. The prayer of examine invites God into our selfishness. Do you know what the sin of Satan is? The Bible tells us the sin of Satan is pride. What is pride essentially? Selfishness. Pride has two, two faces. One face is the, you know, the arrogant person who talks too much, usually because they're insecure and especially with men <laughs> so present this strong arrogant know-it-all front but really on the inside there's this total insecurity I don't know who I am I'm just a little boy but that's pride it's arrogance but you know what the other side of pride is that probably is more of a struggle for some of us as Christians it's the person that pulls away that's passive that sits back says well I'm just an introvert I don't have anything to say. Who am I? I'm just, you know, I'm just a nobody. It's the pride of self-protection. But instead of coming out as arrogance, it comes out of out of out as passivity and retreat. And pulling back. You think you're a team player. You think you're a good guy. You think you're just letting other people have a go, but really you lack courage and you hide behind the pride of quietness. You're like Adam standing next to Eve as she falls into sin, but you won't say anything. The prayer of examine reveals our pride. Who's feeling super comfy in it right now in their chair? I tried to get you the most comfortable chairs possible for moments like this, so at least your bum feels okay while your heart feels guilty. But you know, I've really dug into this year, this year and I can promise you if you haven't done this before, this prayer of examine, Yes, it's a little uncomfortable, but nothing's that uncomfortable when the creator of the universe, your father in heaven, is there with all his grace and compassion, just wanting to help you. The only reason we struggle is because of sin. It's not his problem, he loves us. I want to encourage you as well, just my third point, and then we're going to sing a little worship song. The prayer of examine deepens with a prayer journal. This is my prayer journal here. I know this might be a bit corny, it has Caleb on it, it was a gift. Remember that, Pastor Rod? I think it's from you and Elena. You gave that to me. This simple tool is so powerful. Just to have a prayer journal, and now I'm talking about this prayer of examine here, so I won't tell you about the rest of my prayer journal. But in this element of examine, you know what I do? I just write down my sin. I just write down where I think my motive was bad. I just write down how I went to Bunnings and I wasn't really honest. I just write down how I disciplined my kids and there was some anger in there. It wasn't really to help them and to train them in all righteousness. It was because I was a bit PO'd and I just wanted to send them to their room. It's not right. It's not healthy. It's not godly. And it's in me and it's a problem. But I can't deal with it, but he can deal with it. But writing it down expands you It deepens you. And for more than just sin and introspection, I would deeply, and I'll talk about this tomorrow night when we do the coaching session, and unless you're a contemplative master that prays every day, you should be there for an hour to learn how to cultivate a daily prayer life. And this is one of the things that I'll talk about, because to have a prayer journal, to note what God is saying, to note the scriptures that He's speaking, to be able to write down your sin, It brings it all together in a place where you don't only think it, you don't only pray it verbally, but you note it in black and white. So it becomes powerful right there on the page. You reflect. I ask a lot of questions in here God, why did this person do this? God, I write a lot of my emotions in here. God, why do I feel disappointed at this thing? Why do I feel hurt by this person? I don't, you know, they're just a person. Like, they're not perfect. I know all the rational stuff, but I feel hurt. And I don't know why. But I write it there with a giant question mark and God and I try and talk about it. Sometimes he answers, sometimes he don't. Maybe he does answer, I don't hear it. But it's in there. What are you saying, God? I write the prophetic things, the things for the future, the things that he wants me to know, the things that he wants me to do. I don't write them there and go and execute them that day. I write them there. And I leave them there before God, in the hands of God. Let's see what you do. Have I heard right? Is the goal right? Is the prophecy right? I just leave it in my prayer journal and I let it soak. And maybe I come back to it and pray over it. And eventually in time, I know whether it's really God or not. This week, I really want to encourage you to practice the prayer of examine every day. Every day, take five or ten minutes. Take some time in your other devotional worship, whatever you do in your personal prayer time, and pray the prayer of examine. Like David, search me, O God. Find if there's any wicked way in me. I'm telling you, you will not feel comfortable. I'm telling you, when the the gaze of Almighty God is on your heart, and you just go like this, here, God, have a look inside, you don't always see what you want to see, but you see what you need to see, and I say all of this assuming that you want to be someone that follows Jesus well. If you don't really want to follow Jesus properly, then do not do this, because it won't really work very well. But if you want to grow in your walk with God, can He see your heart? Of course He can. Again, don't use that rationalization. There it is. I heard it straight away. The justification. Well, God sees everything. God knows my heart. I don't need to pray my sin out. He already sees it. That's just an excuse not to pray. Why don't you go in and pray? because sin is there, and you don't want to go there where there's sin. What did Jesus say to Peter? I'm going to dress you up and take you to a place where you don't want to go. That is the Christian walk. You want to walk down the wide path. Admit it. We all want to walk down the wide path, but Jesus says, take the narrow path that leads to life. But I don't want to take that path. It's not very fun sometimes, but it's the path that leads to life and to peace and to everything that you actually want. It's just not going to be fulfilled in the way that you want it. It's definitely not going to be fulfilled in the way your Aussie, secular neighbor is doing it. Why? Because you're not meant to look like them. You're not meant to have all the stuff like them. You're not meant to do all the things that they do. God has called you to a different path and a different walk. You'll only see that in the place of prayer. Just close your eyes this morning. Thank you, Lord God. We just uh, commit our lives to you, our heart to you, Lord God. Lord, prayer is such a powerful tool, Lord God. Forgive us where we struggle, Lord God. We struggle to get there. We struggle to prioritize it. And then when we get there, we don't know what to pray sometimes. Like it says in Romans 8, we truly need the Holy Spirit because I don't know what I ought to pray. But we know that you know what to pray. The Spirit knows what to pray. We know that Jesus Himself intercedes on our behalf. Lord God, forgive us where we don't go to prayer because we don't really want to look at ourselves. We don't really want to be self-aware. We don't really want to deal with sin. To be really honest, some of our sin we kind of like. It kind of feels good sometimes. And we kind of rationalize why it's okay for it to feel good, because we deserve it and we need it. And I've tried really hard. Lord, forgive us for all of these earthly excuses, Lord God. How pathetic they must sound in the ears of Jesus Christ. Next week, we're gonna remember like never before, Jesus hanging on a cross, dying for the sins of the world. A sinless man dying for the sinful. Yet we are still stuck at times in our pathetic excuses while you hang on a cross and bled and died. And we're wrestling through our feelings and our comforts and these kind of things. Lord, forgive us. To encourage you just to set aside Anything in your hands right now, your phone. Just set aside your thinking. Don't go to what's for lunch. Don't go to what am I doing this afternoon. I'm just gonna take, want you to take, we've got five minutes, we're just gonna take the last five minutes. I want you to practice the prayer of examine right now, which means you intentionally choose to open your heart up to God. The prayer of examine is an inward journey. It's not a journey up to heaven. It's a journey into your heart. I just want you to give it a little go now and then we're going to do it during the week. Just open your heart by your own free will. And just let God begin to speak. Let the Holy Ghost speak to you. Look for the sin. Don't be afraid to let God show you the sin The selfishness, the rationalizing, the pride. Don't worry, it's all there. It's in the person next to you as well. It just comes out a bit different for each of us, that's all. But it's the same sin. It's very boring to God. It's the same handful of sins that we all do. They all look a bit different, but they're all the same. And you might want to just note it. Note it down. Just note it, log it, pin it in your brain. What's he saying? It's okay if you're just starting with, yeah, I've done the Bunnings thing as well. It's okay. Just start small. Start simple. I'm not asking you to go through your life and think of all the worst things you've done. And No, no, no. Just, just what's one little thing God's bringing up right now?
1: Thank you, Lord. Savior, I come. Quiet my soul Remember Redemptions heal Your blood was spilled For my ransom Everything I once held dear I counted all as loss. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees, Lord. I lay me down, rid me of myself, I belong to you only. Oh, and tried human the word became flesh bore my sin in death now your reason and everything I want held dear myself, I belong to you. Oh, lead me. Oh, lead me to Thank you, the cross.
0: Thank you, Lord God. Just encourage you this morning, just let's pray this prayer together. Just repeat after me. Just keep your eyes closed. Lord, I offer you my heart. Let's just repeat after me. Lord, I offer you my heart. Lord, I re-offer you my heart. It's always been yours. Help me to take the journey inward. To embrace my selfishness. And allow you to transform me. I commit to your examination because it's a loving examination for the sake of my transformation and my spiritual growth. Amen. Lord, let the prayer of examine become something in our prayer toolkit that we use on a regular basis. Even this week, Lord God, pray that we don't forget, Lord God, but we apply what we've learned in this sermon, Lord God, and experience the incredible freedom that comes by praying the prayer of examine, by going on a journey of introspection into our own heart in order to find freedom. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. I encourage you with that. Thank you and have a great week. Thanks, Pastor Phil.
2: Fantastic. It's awesome. Where are you going? going to close the service there and uh, but please stay around have some fellowship time together but uh, also just encourage you to keep you know take that on and practice that uh, um, prayer this week as well and um, and again life coaching is this up there on the the, uh, the the live coaching session not life coaching live coaching session uh, and also a reminder of uh, Easter next week Look, please invite your friends along it's a great opportunity to uh, uh, get them here as well anybody would like prayer we'd, uh, we'd love the prayer team would love to pray with you if you'd like someone just to stand with you and support you and uh, maybe just something's going on you'd write some prayer support please uh, come forward um, at the end and we can we'll close off now but if you, you feel free to uh, come forward and or alternately fill out those connect cards and uh, we can connect with you through the week so bless you have a great week.